Hi, I'm John. Hi, I'm Olivia. Uh, I'm JD. And this week we've watched The Cage. And now we're going to argue about whether it'll make us quit Star Trek. I don't have anything negative to say. Okay, well, we'll get there. But (laughs) I enjoyed the grayscale bridge and the polo necks way more than I thought I would. So let's let's start positive. I've seen worse television pilots. It's it's a good pilot. I would never make anyone watch first. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like... (laughs) It's like you, you can get it, you could you definitely show someone emissary first or yeah. caretaker. And you, you might show them caretaker first. You might take a punt at showing them encounter at far point first. You could probably get away with all the new Trek pilots first, but you never ever start with the cage. Okay, well, I did start with the cage. So did I. <laughs> it was my only Trek I'd ever seen in my life. The only Trek I'd ever encountered. And one, I, honestly, when I got to see episode two and it was Captain Kirk, I just forgot Pike existed. I only like, I think like months later did I realize, oh, what happens to that Pike guy? I didn't notice, okay? <laughs> I didn't notice the entire crew see, changed. I, 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 can't, I can't judge because like, I guess I didn't, I didn't like officially start, start with Pike, but like when I first decided to watch Star Trek, I decided, yeah, we're going to start from the beginning and Netflix starts with episode zero. So I'm like into this. I'm here for it. And then like Kirk shows up and I'm like, wait, what happened? Where's my man? I had so little frame of reference. I just assumed, oh, that guy will be back. And then I forgot. I forgot he existed. (laughs) And so did everyone else until 2018. (laughs) Anson Mount, I'm so proud of you. God. The cage is weird because what always episode get... and like I said, I fell in love immediately. You started with it as well, which um <sighs> was seeing Kirk the first quit moment being like, hang on, who the fuck are you? No, no, okay. So my mom's a Trekkie, so like I knew of Kirk. The woman does not shut up about Kirk. That's her captain. But yeah, no, when he showed up on my screen, I was all like, wait, wait, wait. What, what happened to the uh, the blue-eyed guy? The one with the pony? I want the pony man back. <laughs> Where is my horse girl captain? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wasn't the issue that his wife said he was too handsome to be on sci-fi? And honestly, yes. he kind yeah. of was distractingly handsome. His wife he said was. he was too handsome and too smart to be doing science fiction, which um, I don't know who you are, Jeffrey Hunter's wife, but all right, jeez. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I get it, because, you know, I, I've met Anson Mountain person, and yeah, no, that man is freakishly handsome, and like, yeah, him as Pike, it fits, but at the same time, you are kind of too handsome for this. But he has such strong starfly energy within that. <laughs> it, it mitigates it all. He is very hot. Um, actually, I was going to make a reference to the group chat, and I fought against it. <laughs> no, I think you should. You have to. There is a division in a group chat with John and some other friends of ours about who would fuck Pike. Are you, JD, a Captain Pike fan? Would you fuck Space Dad? I'm sorry to ambush you like this. No, 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 no. That's a fair question. My only question is, which one? Because there have been four, 
And the answer is yes to, yeah, all of them. I, I don't care. There's no standard. Yeah, exactly. Valid. The real truth. You know, I don't know why we're being persecuted for enjoying this man's presence. Look, it was set up that like everyone wants to fuck this man. Like, yeah, especially that's, that's if you a... watch the episode, everyone's just all like, yeah, no, that's a man worth banging. She said she'll do anything. She'll be anyone she, he wants. <laughs> yeah. I, I... There's so much about the cage, which is both has very little relationship with like Star Trek to come and is exactly as we expect Star Trek after it. So like, but like, you know, the aesthetics, the energy, some of the acting, very different, very sort of 1950s sci-fi. Everyone wanted to fuck the captain. That's yeah. starting as you intend to continue. There you go. It's tradition. You know, some of us yeah. believe in Gene's vision with full purity, the real fans, John. So, yeah. Yeah. I just don't like fucking space deaths. <laughs> I mean, look, you're yeah. alone in that. Because if you, you watch just to- about anyone in the crew, like... The blonde guy, Jose Tyler, if you look at him in nearly every scene, he is watching Pike like he is getting paid to do that. <laughs> oh, wow. The only person on that crew who doesn't want to fuck Pike is Dr. Boyce, probably because he has already fucked Pike and decided that he no longer needed to do that anymore. Yeah, that probably is the only person. <laughs> and probably Spock. I feel like. I mean, I feel I like the know. power, no, well, the power yeah, dynamics of Spock fucking his mentor, we're not going to. Let's not do that. Yeah. I'm just saying, you saw the smile when they touched the plant. Yeah, but that's like, this is, this is space dad shit. Spock's not <laughs> fucking his space dad. Hey. He's already screwed is up one relationship. Space dad or space You can't daddy. oppress us all, John, okay? Spock has already screwed up a relationship with one of his dads. He can't screw up one with his other dad. This is the one that healed him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We got Spock. Smiling at Pike twice between the cage and Discovery. John's like... disapproval is incredible. Right now. We are. How far are we in? We're like ten minutes. Not even ten minutes in. I'm, I'm already getting bullied for not wanting to fuck Space Dad. I think the listeners will be with us. So it's, yeah. I just wanted to come in and talk about you know landing party jackets and you know combat holsters. I love the jackets. The, the jackets fact they have, great cl- jackets. They, have, they have clipboards and paper jackets. and like. You know, there's a a printer on the bridge. That was a printer? Yeah, there's a 1950s TV. It's great. They have like little like information. They have like little hoods at each station so they can talk to people, which I know why they weren't in the rest of the series, but they should have been. (laughs) But here you are talking about fucking Space Dad. Well, while you lament that loss, let's get into it. I mean, they're, they're about to collide with some very pretty lights. Is that not the beginning of it? They're looking meteorite. They look like... It looks well, like... that's the start, because we go into like the first shot of the bridge, and quite nicely on Netflix, it's the um, they never remastered the cage. So you just get to see what it was like to watch it originally. And that's why it felt so whimsical. I was loving it. Great vibes. So, you know, we get a nice shot of the, the grayscale bridge with, you know, a guard at the door, and printers oh, and Baldini. Yeah, no, that's the I roll. Yeah, here's the thing. Most of the people you see in this episode, despite never being named, have names. I've, is it, uh, did Jane Roderick give them names? 
Uh, I want to say for most of them, yes. I, I, I like that's the sort of obsessive energy I have as a writer. So we're going, <laughs> we're doing that. So it turns they're trying to avoid something coming at them at light speed, but it turns out to be a radio, and we get a we get a printout of the radio message, and Pike's like, "Well, we don't know if there's people there, and we have injured from whatever happened on Vigil Seven, so we're going to go to the Vega Colony." And everyone's like, but there might be people alive. But it's like, he's like, I don't care. <laughs> Which, you know what? Mood. I mean, considering like what we see when he's talking to boys and he's just all like, yeah, I'm just going to quit. Like seven people died. That's too much for me. Like the fact That's that you have an injured crew on the ship, I can see him just being all like, nope, nothing bad can happen anymore. Yeah, I do he's like, it's what... It's one of those little touches that, like, only makes sense if you, pe- like, are listening. Is that ev- half the crew are walking around with, like, bandages or that Spock's limping and stuff. Yeah, you, you got Jose Tyler, who is the helmsman. He has a bandaged hand, and I think one there the, might be a bandage on his neck, or I'm confusing no, him One of the, the relief science officers has one on his head. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, he goes to Pike's quarters, which, um, fun fact, Pike qu- Pike's quarters... And the are on the same deck as the briefing room because we see him walk past the briefing room in the background, and they're see, on deck two. I never noticed that. What I noticed is that like he just has like his uh what is it the dress uniform cap, which is like that tacky gray color that we see in like the Kelvin verse, and like a phaser on his like nineteen fifties TV. <laughs> like yeah. he's just ready to either go out in dress uniform or shoot someone at all times. Also, his bed <laughs> is too short for him. This is the funniest. Yeah, the bed is too His legs are tackling off the end of his bed. It was not built for a man of all of six foot one. Also, there's like a, there's like a chair halfway up a wall. Because when Boyce comes in, he puts his um his like doctor's like bar kit on a chair, but the chair is like halfway up a wall. More yeah, it's more. like right below. I don't know if that's supposed to be a light or like a laser beam or something but but pike's room layout is terrible yeah it's not they they spent all the money on the like triangular tv thing and then everything else is just chuck it in there well i have a question for you john if pike's bed looks so uncomfortable would you then give up yours to make him feel better if he's not fitting in that bed i'm not fitting in that bed either (laughs) (laughs) with the same height come on And so, oh, another great touch I just want to mention is that when you walk, when he walked into his room, there just says captain. In case you ever get lost, just like, this is captain. That's captain. I room. think all the quarters are labeled. I think Kirk's, the difference is that from TOS, Kirk's quarter say um, Captain James T. Kirk on them. Yeah. I don't no, even get like, like James T. Kirk. <laughs> like, like, it's like Pike just moved in there last week. But he's so, actually been here for a decade. <laughs> yes. It's been a decade on the Well, no, thing? he's been 2254. He's been captain for about four years. Okay. He does but, seem, I mean, I was going to say, no wonder he seems tired. I mean, you'll know, Janie. If I'm remembering, uh, trying to remember let's which. Let's see. He, he became captain when he was about 31. So that's 22, well, 51. So, yeah, about three, four years. Can yeah. I just shout out the Trekkies who refuse to understand the timelines 
and <laughs> never will even attempt to because you know what in my in my world I'm winning because you know I can watch any series and say could Garrick be here and I don't have the knowledge to know that I'm so wrong or so right I can just you, I'm you're just free watching Ed, I'm you're free. just watching Enterprise and waiting for Garrick to come yeah like he could be like there I don't even <laughs> how long is a Cardassian lifespan I don't know and yeah you know, Garrick was there when the world was born and he'll be there when it ends I'd love to think that. Guidance. You know, I, I am jealous of that because personally, it's all like my brain is filled with Pike knowledge. So it's all like he was born in 2219. He is only 30 something when all of this is happening. He's like 35 in the cage, which I look at Jeffrey Hunter and then Anson Mountain. I think, wow. Okay. <laughs> I, I just remember that Anson Mountain has brown hair and has dark, has like black hair at the beginning of Discovery Season oh, yeah. 2 and it's all gone gray by the end. It looks, and that it's is a strange stressful ship. That's, that's like an, an incredibly deliberate choice because they dyed Anson Mountain's hair but he was gray before when he was cast. Yeah. But they dyed his hair dark at the beginning and increasingly let it go grey. Just increase it. all gone grey by Strange New World, which is just hilarious to me. Like, that man aged 10 years just dealing with, like, the Discovery crew for six months. Which is, again, great, because, like, the character himself is, like, a decade younger than Anson is, so it's all, like, what has this ship done to you, my boy? Like, he goes home and sees his dad, he's like, and his dad's just like, just like, uh, Chris, what the fuck happened? And you just want to I'm, I'm going to go for a ride. I'll see you in like three days. <laughs> like you were there for like a few months. What went wrong? <laughs> what do you mean you went to the Klingon home world? <laughs> oh, God. Were we just at war with them? <laughs> God, yeah. Oh, was- but he seems here, he's just like, I'm tired. Eight people died. I might retire and go home or become a merchant. And here's the thing is that the line here is then Boyce goes, oh, you'll go and trade, you'll go on a ride and trade in slaves and green women. And it's like, and, and Pike's being like, no, I didn't mean that. And Boyce is like, well, he might as well. It's just, Boyce is mocking him for thinking that he could just do that. That's the thing. I was ready to defend him. I was like, Pike never actually said anything about slave trading. No, but he then, just wanted to go to Orion and be like, I don't know, I'll start a business. He could have wanted to sell peanuts who knows I thought, I thought it was gonna be wholesome but you know later on they pluck that memory out of his mind yes. where he's living in, up in the i mean the thing about that is they pluck this thought out but the thought might have been like you know the mocking like image of it because when he's actually mm. in it he's like i absolutely hate everything about yeah, he doesn't he looks, seem that comfortable he looks he doesn't olivia he looks physically ill yeah no like he's, being surrounded by like Maybe he's just upset he got exposed. You don't know. No, No, here's the thing. Like, especially like once we get him captured, the man at no point seems like he wants to have sex with anybody. This wasn't his job. He just wanted to rescue people. Yeah. But I I do like... I'll let him off. I do like the bit because Boyce is just like, fuck off. It's like, you don't want to be a fucking merchant. (laughs) Yeah, which, by the way, I love that voice is the one who just, like, comes in with martinis. They're like, well, there's nothing else to do on Orion other than deal in slaves, watch sex and women. It's all like, voice, what do you do in your free time? It's like, voice, voice. It's like, what did you do on Orion, Doctor? Anyway. Voice <laughs> <laughs> wow. feels like the kind of Doctor who would just randomly say shit like, yeah, I want some, I want busted 200 slaves out of an Orion prison. And I would just sort of look at them and they're like, what? A casual <laughs> Friday. 
Like it's it's entirely unclear as to what whether anything he said was true or not. But yeah, then Spock's like, oh, we got another message saying our survivors in Talos 4. So he goes up to the bridge and like, I guess we're going to Talos 4 and we get the great exchange of, you know, prepare the ship for time warp seven. And then we get like a sequence of like stars being beamed onto the image of the bridge while the TOS theme plays. And nothing has ever I, seen I, I want to Buck believe. Rogers than that. That's beautiful. I, I truly want to believe like they just have that soundtrack playing on the ship at all times because you know there's no sound in space so might as well pipe in some music it's just i just liked that that was like how do we show that traveling on warp speed a working montage <laughs> but it's like it's not even a working montage they're all standing still and then it no, just stops maybe. i feel like i feel like we see a little something spock walks to the front of the bridge yeah Heroic. See, and then a little that, something <laughs> And then Human Colt comes on and he yelled, poor, poor Human Colt. She deserves better. She does deserve better. She gets better in the comics. There's a great, yes. in the new Voyager's comics, a great one when she goes in a few, she ends up bouncing around in the timeline, which is fun. Wait, I just, did we skip the part where Pike's surprised to see women on the bridge or is that? No, this is this bit. This is now. Yeah. But he's like, I don't, when she, she, you know, give us some paperwork and he yells at her. And then he's like, I don't like having, I'm not used to having a woman on the bridge. And number one's just like, no. You know what makes that such a great moment is that in the scene prior when he's getting the message, there is a second woman on the bridge at that point. Because it's this random woman working the station. And then there's number one. And then after a montage, she's all like, I don't like women on the bridge. And so like, you already work with two, my guy. I just want to know what Jean meant by that. Because, okay, you guys know, what year is this? 1964. No, but what what year is it supposed to be? Oh, 2254. So from 1964 to 2250, it's supposed to still be a surprise. How slow was progress supposed to have been? I just don't (laughs) know whether it's meant to be like him going oh, I don't like having a woman as a human. Like, you're comfortable with having a woman as a secretary. No, yeah, like, don't give them which that. Which is not, <laughs> this is the thing, is that that's not better. That's just it's weird. Not. It's, not, it's not even, like, more sexist. It's just such a, it's just a really weird take. It's still sexist. Even if it was, that, it's still weird and sexist and condescending. It, there's it, no it, way. It is, but, like, since we brought up the comics already his previous yeoman was a guy who was like his best friend so it like even if we take it in that context it's all like how close were you to what like either way we are saying something about pike that needs to be examined and it never will be don't <laughs> it's never going to be brought up again so yeah they arrive and we have the landing party and he's like to spock are you up for it and spock's like yes sir also spock yells for the whole episode yep um, it's never explained why. Um, oh, it well, not well, it sort of is. I know what you're going to say. And yeah, like, is it the fire and the rose is explained that Spock does things humans can't hear him unless he shouts? Yes, which is extremely <laughs> funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, like that, that, that's that's canon now. Thanks to short tracks, he just doesn't understand humans can hear him. <laughs> so Spock is like someone going to a foreign country and just shouting English at someone. Yes, <laughs> yes, that is Spock, despite having a human for a mother. Oh wow! Oh, so yeah, we we get the hunting party getting ready, and they put their jackets on, and they get their phaser pistol, laser pistols, pistols, 
and the communicate. And there's a guy who's like a radio backpack kit, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> like, why is he carrying like a man, a man portable radio? Like it's 1944. <laughs> but it's bigger than those. It's just it's silly. It's honestly the best, just like all the choices we make here that are immediately wiped away. Like it, like the transporter guy, Yamada, he, he's the Asian man with the glasses. The, the funny part is he has glasses. Then we cut back yeah. to Spock and then we cut back to the transporter. He's no longer wearing glasses. <laughs> <laughs> like as if literally they shot that scene, they went, no, give him, give him here, give him here. <laughs> no, like you, no glasses but, in the future. But Mr. Roddenberry, I can't see what I'm doing. You don't need to. <laughs> Just push the things. Oh, that, that's honestly the best. And then eventually Gene goes back on his word with Kirk and he's all like, oh no, this man can wear glasses because he's well, it wasn't even kid. Gene, it was Robert Meyer. <laughs> and I, Gene was alive to at least complain if it was bad. I mean, I think he did. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> I think a lot of the fact that Gene Roderick tried to like destroy the Rafrikan before it came out because he hated it. Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, don't blame him. Not my favorite movie, so. <laughs> what, what did he hate so much about it? It was like he didn't like the how militaristic it was, the fact they killed Spark, oh. the plot I lines, <laughs> or the aesthetic or anything. And it was like. So he didn't like anything beyond the name? No, I don't think he even liked the name. <laughs> he wanted to remove the name. Yeah. He well, here's the, the thing was that he then. So he leaked that Spock dies, which is why you have the sequence at the beginning where they do the simulation that everybody dies on a simulated bridge. Because then when you watch the film, you'd be like, oh yeah, Spock dies, ha ha ha. And then at the end, you'd still be sobbing. Okay. Incredible trolling there. I, yeah. I love the level of petty. I really do. Yeah, then Star Trek is a history of professional pettiness at all levels. So yeah, they beam down and we get, you know, some great Mate paintings that are so painfully, obviously, Mate paintings. But we do it's get so the beautiful. singing flowers. And we love the singing flowers. Yeah, we get to see you know who else loves the singing flowers? Spark. Yes. I, okay, I, this is the episode I fell in love with Leonard Nimoy again because emotive Spock is just Leonard Nimoy to me. Yeah. Cutie. Loved him. Hmm. He, he truly is the most adorable thing. Because, like, the entire time, Pike looks confused as hell. Like, why is this flower singing? Meanwhile, Spock just all like, it sings. Yay. He's having a wonderful time. He's like a child. It's Adorable. so cute. Yeah. So it is nice. And then they find that the survivors who are all old people, apart from Vina, who is young and gets a musical sting. So she's in a portal. It's so uncomfortable to see her with like 50 old men. And I love the bit where um Pike's staring at her and the voice is like, can you listen to me? I'm telling you that, like, these guys are too healthy. There's something wrong here. And Pike's like... I'm in love, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I want to say... Oh God, I'm trying to remember. It's like, there's another crewman who also just, like, has a moment where it's all, like, pretty girl. And it's all, yeah, like... Yeah, the guy with a bandage on his head. It's like, do you guys not see women literally on your bridge? There was a whole I feel day. like what they've captured here is that sailors yeah. sailors are and will always remain much like all members of the tree, a state of constant holiness for reasons that are yet to be understood. There was like a young couple on holiday in the yes. cor- corridors or whatever. Um, yeah. 
earlier. So, you know, they, they see women. She's basically in a swimsuit. <laughs> yeah. So then Venus, like, I'm going to take you to see the, the, the gift. And they go up this rock and he gets, like, he gets smoked out by a telosium with, like, fucking pepper spray. And again, this is why I say everyone on the crew wants to bang Pike. Jose Tyler is, A, has his gun out. He's the first one to notice. He has his gun out and he's running before he's all like, oh, yeah, tell other people. Captain Pike has been captured. He like, wants he to be the just... sole hero. <laughs> like, he is ready. <laughs> I'll be your knight, sir. <laughs> John left. John left the frame. We broke him. <laughs> what are you? Oh, digestives are going to help here. Those chocolate digestives. Not you know what the chocolate. greatest part is? It's not even chocolate. They're not even chocolate. They're the regular ones. This is John's this taking. This is going to be great because the next time you watch the cage, you're going to see that moment I'm talking about, and you're not going to be able to deny it. <laughs> I want to go back and just like clip those moments and maybe like make a, if I could make, um, what are they called? Why have I forgotten the name? The fan videos of music. Fan cam. <laughs> fan cam. Yes. I want a fan cam. So they can't, they, 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 yeah, they shoot it. Nothing happens. Pike wakes up in a cage. Oh no. <laughs> and we meet the Telosians who have massive brains, which pulse. I noticed this this time that the Telosian brain pulse. Yeah, it's gross. It's pulsing puppy and mashing. It's both funny and horrifying. And they just have a sort of obnoxious commentary, which I actually thought was kind of hilarious. I think the most cursed part of the Telosians is they're all played by they're all played by um, female actors and they're dubbed over by male actors. I didn't know that. Yeah. Ugh, why? I don't uh, know. Gene wanted it to be like alien and like deeply androgynous. Although I do want to say one of the actors playing a Telosian actually is a guy, but it's like the numbers are so small comparatively. Yeah, it feels like a weird erasure, but I guess. (laughs) But yeah, they're being dicks to him, and he's like, "Oh, you're gonna fuck around with me. I'm gonna fuck around with you." My favorite part is like Pike is still like super petty because like even when they're all like, oh yeah, and this is where he's gonna bang against the wall, he stops and he's all like, no, no, I am, and then he does it <laughs> like four different times to prove a point. <laughs> it's like, wouldn't you try and get out of the cage? Which is a fair comment to make. Like, is he not gonna try? That could have been yeah, reverse psychology. He's all like, oh, maybe he they're lying. <laughs> yeah, and he sort of then grumbles. Then, and then we go hmm? I don't understand why in that moment when he's first in there he's feeling primitive emotions and he bangs on the glass once and they're not scared since they're being dicks yeah they saw <laughs> that one coming okay and we go back to the ship and Spock's like oh yeah we, we didn't see anything everyone's like but we saw them and Spock's like yeah, no 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 they're not, they're not there there's no way they could be there they couldn't defend themselves and Pilot's like, you know, we why don't we use the ship to blow up half a continent? And Spock says, if we go buzzing around down there, which is like the least Spock thing to ever be said ever. Very to be fair, this is his trying to get in touch with his human emotions phase. Like, I guess we could call it Spock's emo phase. This is Spock before the acceptance. Now I'm like even more sensitive. (laughs) He was still figuring himself out. 
he was he, he was trying to be more human so he could fit in better he is a precious baby yeah and then so then number one is like uh, i guess we're gonna use the awesome power of a starship against no i was gonna say she she is so great like I, I, I can't not talk about the greatness of her just like constantly there looking mildly annoyed with her beautiful blue fingernail polish. Like, I didn't want to do this. I just wanted to go down. I was just put in charge of the ship and now I have to be in charge of saving this guy. I think a lot about the fact that Majel Barrett was, was like G. Roddenberry's first choice of actor ever for Star Trek. Like she, she was the first person and then it was Leonard Nimoy. Okay, I don't want to dismiss anyone's achievements, but was she not currently his mistress at this time? Not at this point. Not yet. Okay. This, this, this is later. <laughs> later on. <laughs> at this point, awesome. he just worked. At this point, he was just, um, you know, infatuated with her. But uh, oh god, <laughs> classic. I mean, but, at least he got at least she got work out of it. Yeah. yeah. I, do you not Consistent think if Number work. One was in that initial landing party, she would have seen Fina with the blue eyeshadow and the like? complete face of makeup and gone hey maybe it's a trick since it was supposed to be strong. oh no she years. would have done exactly what she did once she gets into the cage she's all like shouldn't you be older i do love that <laughs> yeah, line which is like exactly. a, oh you're just a robot she's like wait hang on a second <laughs> <laughs> she, she fights back i love it <laughs> so yeah pike wakes up on rigel's he's like this is rigel seven it's a castle we've you know we get not gonna say it's. A, I'm not gonna limit myself to a good mate painting. We get the best mate painting in Thank all you. of Star Trek. Thank you, because if you slandered that painting, I was going to no. have work with you. Can we have got this. I, I know why we have never been back to Rigel Seven, but with aesthetics like that, why haven't we been back to Rigel Seven? Strange new worlds better take us back because that was just beautiful. The purple skies, the two moons, the castle. I'm and and of the course, picture. the Orientalist <laughs> monster inside. Yeah. Well, I mean, they course. did have the Chinese dragon before we see the guy, so they told you what was going to come. Yeah, this, this bit is really weird because she's going all dancing and stressy and you have to fight this monster being. I do love it because, like, the moment, like, once we get Pike and Vina together, his entire thing, like, she's like, oh no, we're going to die. And he's all like, yeah, you shouldn't be here. Why are you here? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, he just monologues over her, sort of hysteria. Yeah. <laughs> She's just all then, like, we're going to be killed. And he's all like, yeah, okay, you're not real. This You'll is what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then eventually they're in the back of the cage. He's just like, yeah, you don't exist. <laughs> I, I truly love that about him, though. Like, because... He could. He starts to lose himself in these fantasies, but then the Telosians throw Vina at him, and he's all like, "There's never been a woman in my life at any point." <laughs> I mean, yeah, she, goes, she turns into like the ultimate pick me, which is just—it's intense. Like, I will be anything. I mean, it's you sort of learn uh, get to understand why Vina is so desperate for any human contact, and it's really depressing. But it also means that I, it means I view any like post analysis of the cage and other Star Trek media as being, oh, Pike was in love. Pike, you know, never could feel any love with Vida really badly because it's quite clearly more that he is just a pool that this is that 
there is an update card. She, he can't do anything for her. Yeah, like the whole, whole oh, Pike was deeply in love with Vina from moment one. It's all like, not not really. He he is a deeply depressed when we meet him. He goes in, he's trying to help, and then like every time he sees her, he's all like, no, something's not right here. I don't know what's wrong with you, but you gotta help me get us both out. Like, like he does not care about banging. He just wants to free them both. He's definitely relieved at the end there. He's like, oh, thank fuck for that. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's, he's half relieved, half sad that like she can't come and rejoin society but, and live her okay. own life. I was gonna say, why can't she come? Is it just because she wasn't pretty enough? But I can't yeah, remember. I think, yeah, okay, I think well. it's the subtext and the subtext I've always read is that what the Talosians have done to her will not keep her alive off the planet. Okay, fine. I mean, that's sort of made more subtexty in If Memory Serves, which... In the moment, it just feels like I'm old and crippled. Uh, I feel like they're leaving her behind because she's not old or pretty enough, but like... Yeah, I don't know. I don't like If Memory Serves because while they did make it like a little bit more subtexty texty whatever they made her prettier when she's like banged up like they like made it so much harder to believe like yes she has to stay here because like once they show her without like all their like magic brain power it's all like no honey i mean if you want to get plastic surgery but you're still cute (laughs) yeah it's i mean i i can i sort of get why it would have been a lot i feel like it would have been a lot riskier to to depict somebody so physically to him dehabilitated in 2019 like yeah no and that's that's what makes going back to the cage so yeah i mean it's it's kind of like you you either have to commit to a whole way because they committed all the way with having you know doing pike in the chair and making it as fucking horrifying as possible yeah but they committed to that which yes that works but then you, they kind of have to commit to the Venus thing as well. Yeah, it could only have been worse is the issue. I, I mean, I don't know, because like the whole thing is, is like Vena, the Telosians basically were like, we didn't know how to put together a human, so we won't it. And it's all like, okay, first off, looking at y'all, it's not far off, so couldn't they clearly. Look- Wait, what's going on? They couldn't have looked into her mind and seen what humans look like? Well, she was so destroyed. I, the I think the other thing about the Telosians is that they are too high-minded in their own intelligence to do something that smart or simple. Yeah, they are like crazy. they would have assumed they have no need to see what her idealism is because they are super smart, hyper-intelligent beings. They can put a person back together. And the only ones they fucked it up did they go, oh shit. <laughs> they say they have a hard well we learn they have a hard time getting through minds once like it's like a tense pain or anger and i'm sure she wasn't happy after crash landing onto a planet so they were all like yeah no that's a messy mind we're just gonna wing it yeah mm-hmm. like most smart people they're also very stupid yeah. didn't think to drug her or anything no <laughs> so yeah, the, the Enterprise crew brought down a cannon, which they, it's, quite, it's a quite fun scene where they just basically try and blast a hole through. It, it doesn't work. 
you know what bravo to the Tolosians on that one because like if someone was just blasting down my house I don't think I would be all like no no I, I can I can manage this I can just brain power this so like oh fuck no I'm out <laughs> I feel like it's like I'm not gonna say this has happened to them before but I feel like it might not be the first time this has happened. <laughs> like this is fine it's Tuesday for them oh boy yeah and then you know, eventually Venus starts describing it seriously to him and talking about the punishments. And then, you know, it's like, we've got to do things for them. And then Pike's like, hang on. If this is a zoo, and they, they've had those guys for, like, hundreds of years, and they, they keep breeding them, that's... Are we a mating pair? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, he just put you're real, on. aren't you? Because <laughs> he never said she wasn't real. Yeah. This is you. She alluded to there maybe some enhancements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I hate foreshadowing. No. Poor, poor Pike. And then he gets punished with fire. Yeah. Which, Which... was weird at 1.25 speed. Oh, yeah. It was, it, that was like kind of a weird, was that like a little anti religious diss from Jean there? It was like these fables from your childhood. Hell. It's nonsense. I don't know. I don't like, I don't like, I don't think anyone knows what was even supposed to be happening there beyond like fire bad. I thought he was just in hell. Yeah. Like at least in like burning dreams, we get like a beautiful moment in the book where it's all like, oh yeah, Chris doesn't like fire because his pregnant mom died in a fire and he (laughs) couldn't save her. And it's all like, well, that was unnecessarily traumatic. Sometimes I feel like Star Trek writers can never not just go 110%. I I want to say I admire it, but I'm just... Like, like it couldn't just stay like, oh yeah, no, people just naturally hate fires. I'm like, nope, nope. He had to witness his pregnant mom die. (laughs) So like, thanks? Wow. Incredible scenes. (laughs) So then we cut to his Mojave dream, which is nice, because this is the only time we see um, Earth in the original series. It's Cottagecore Pike. What more could you want? Like, yeah, you know what? They're like, giving us all our fantasies, honestly. Yeah, That's what's happening yeah. here. And, and I'm just, I'm just going to take this moment to complain about urbanism in Star Trek, because we see Mojave in the background. There's this beautiful, like, retro-futuristic, like, city of spires and, art and arches and shit. And then when we see Earth in Picard and Discovery, it's like, oh, you've just literally been watching The Expanse. Oh, yeah, and it looks depressing. It looks depressing. Why, there's a bit I remember in the first episode of Picard where Daj is hiding in an alleyway in Paris. Why does Paris have dank, disgusting alleyways? Okay, well, that's what Paris looks like now. This is Paris. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we're the 27th, 24th century. To be fair, yeah. where's the greenery? Come on. I, I don't know. Did... How well did Paris recover after World War Three? Paris wasn't nuked. Wasn't it? I feel no, like we Paris, knew about everyone else. It's significantly that the, the two places that weren't nuked were San Francisco and Paris. That's why world government ends up in those two cities. Well, that's oh. just ridiculous. We're so French we're based? just going to nuke I don't know everyone. what happened. Charles de Gaulle came back from the earth and took the, came back from the death. Oh, from come the on. And took the nukes and threw them into the sun. Like, like we, like already, because, yeah, no, that doesn't work. Because we don't nuke South America or Africa because I guess colonization. We still don't acknowledge those are places. And then we're just all like, oh, but let's skip San Francisco and 
Paris. So like, listen, war doesn't make sense. I, I can can't tell believe you. Paris got a free pass. Paris got a free pass. Technically, depending Paris on never what canon, gets a free pass. The pa- depending on what they did in World War Two. Like this, everyone just agreed to that. I was all like, I don't know. After World War Two, they had a rough one. Let's give them a pass on this one. I mean, it's depending fine. on what canon you look like, London either gets nuked badly or not at all. And <laughs> well, New York in the start in the um, Pike comics still have the Twin Towers, so... Hmm. Eventually, hmm. we just decided to rebuild. That's fine. Why would you rebuild the Twin Towers? They're not even nice-looking buildings. No, they weren't. <laughs> They're just square blocks. It's nostalgia. It's <laughs> like, pain. if you're gonna nuke New York, we're just all like, well, I mean, we can just go back to those one-two buildings we had. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, but anyway, so, like, I like the depict that we see Boston in the first episode of Picard, it looks disgusting. I mean... Fair. It is, it, yeah, it's that classic Boston. You've never been to Boston, Olivia. I've never been to Boston, but it's... I've been to Boston, I, Lincolnshire. That's shit. I've, I've been to Boston, America. It's, it's a nice town. Good seafood. I can see it being shit. I don't know. I just miss I just miss it when, like, in, like, T&G or even T&P when, like, Earth is just lots. It's just parkland, walkable, walkable yeah. new communities, and lots of fast public transport. In the, in, the t- in, in the in the in the TP normalization, Kirk gets a like maglev from Alexandria all the way to Gibraltar. It's it's great. In like in like half an hour. I want that. Give me that, Michael Chamberlain, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> with your with your shitty Vulcan breakdowns where they're all super secret. Fuck off. All what I the fuck is a free cloud? Yeah, I hate my more ponies. Okay, strange new worlds. You already gave Pike a kitchen. Just make sure he constantly have a pony for no reason. Yes. <laughs> anyway, back to the cage. So we see this Mojave Desert scene where Pike is wearing 20th century denim and Venus dressed like a housewife for the 1950s. To be fair, and like I am actually double checking, Pike isn't just wearing denim. He's wearing like a whole Canadian tuxedo. We got the denim jacket, the denim pants. It is amazing i have to go back and screenshot that <laughs> and it's it's so weird because the thing is that i'm not entirely sure pike is entirely with the husband and wife thing he's just like this is weird no he's no, just kind of pike... enjoying being home if you're yeah if you're like a starfleet captain you're probably not going to be that sentimental about the husband wife thing or maybe in his condition he was feeling existential maybe it got to him a bit not really, because Vina's all like, oh yeah, I made your mom's chicken tuna sandwich recipe, and he's just all like, this is him right, but I'm gonna feed right, the ponies. Like, oh, my mom <laughs> hates chicken. <laughs> <laughs> like, his main concern, like, he just walks right past her while she's talking, he's all like, ponies, that's all I'm here for, ponies. I could, I could see why the Telosians tried it, but it did not work on him yet, he didn't give a shit. It was nice and- seeing us, even if it was a bit of, like, plastic turf and a, and a mafe painting. Yeah. I do see- like the carof he has. Like, I know it's just that terrible kind of 1960s uh, retro, but I would pay money for that. That's actually beautiful. It's like yeah. red with the little knobby thing on top. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. But then, then Vita's like, "Oh, but you have you. This isn't fantasy to you. You've been here. It is something you could never have. Sex slavery." And like immediately Pike's like, this is not what I wanted at all. <laughs> like he just looks, he's just like, it's a moment you start, we get to like, you know, the literally 
a screen cap from like an Orientalist painting from the 19th century and this like lecherous, slimy Starfleet captain and Orion trader who looks like something out of a fucking, I don't know, Tintin novel. Not a good one. It's not great. I mean, it's not great. He says the, he, oh, it's like the women here love to be exploited or something along the lines of that. Yeah. Pike wouldn't hang out with you, degenerate. And it's like, and Pike is dressed like someone out of like a, a community college performance of Aladdin that got first filmed off, or put on YouTube because it was that cringeworthy. I, I actually love whatever he is wearing. It's sparkly and bright and it's like, Two thirds of the bisexual colors. Okay, I was so. gonna say everything is camp. I loved all the outfits. It's, it's really. camp. It's horrifically. It's camp. It's horrifically racist, and it's nonsense. It's Star Trek to its core. Yeah, a- except for Pike, who just seems like really out of place, and so like I don't like I sex. Think slavery. It's not even beyond. I think it's a bit more than even I don't like sex. It's more like what. <laughs> Like, it seems entirely, from my take is that I'm not entirely sure this is even, like, from his mind. No. No. Like, like this might be from Venus. Like, so Talosian's, like, Talosian's clearly just pulled out the idea of, like, what boys put in his head where it's all like, oh, yeah, sex slaves, we can do that. And so, like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, it's also weird, because, like, in the beta canon, like, Christopher Pike is best known for like leading campaigns against Orion slavery. He he is, and uh, what book? It, I don't remember the name of the book, but I do remember that book. And like he has to work with the Klingon. Everyone thinks he's dead for a while. He he is actually weirdly resistant to Orion female pheromones, so they don't even turn him on. So it's just all like. No, this this is not his fantasy at all. I mean, that's, of course, that's all basically writers being retroactive to make up for how utterly batshit this is. Yeah, like someone saw the disgust on his face and was like, "Well, if Orion's have pheromones and he's not into it, I personally try. I personally try to ignore the Orion pheromone thing because it's just actually insane." Oh, it is. Just all like, "Oh, how do Orions work? Well, the women have pheromones that make you want to bang them." But they're sex slaves, so they have anyway, no control. Yeah. Listen to our Bound episode from uh, last year. That's a fun. Um, Genevieve reads some stuff out about Spock in it. It's, it's good stuff. Anyway, where were we? Pike? He was... He should be getting out soon? No, wait. No, he runs away, so then they're like, we're going to beam straight into the compound, and Oh, right. But one of the Met Science guys is like, Spock, what if we beam it to Rock? And Rock Spock just looks at him and goes, shit, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> it is really funny because it's quite clearly that this guy said it. it's the first time Spock had thought about it. <laughs> one moment, because now, now I need to, like, I'm trying to remember how old is Spock during he's, all of he's this? He's 22, born 2230, so he is 24. Yeah, okay. Which is basically so a makes- child by Vulcan stats. Yeah, it makes sense how, like, him and uh, Jose Tyler, who isn't much older, they're both just, like, random idiots. It's all like, oh, crap, did we plan for this? Like, the uh, only adult is our uh, number one Pike and Boyce. Yeah, I like That's that it. he says it to um, number one, and it's quite clear number one's already thought about it. <laughs> like, if you wanna, if now, now we're saying it out loud, if you want to drop out, you can. And everyone's like, oh, we're good. And then, so they all get up there, you and Colt as well, and then we get the best bit of the episode, I think, which is that 
For some reason, only human cult and number one beam down. But the spot just jumps up and yells, the women! <laughs> and the only time that. Spock is taking interest in women. Absolutely. Yeah. This, is, this is the way he says it as well. Just, the women! <laughs> That's comp hat Spock. I mean, <laughs> I... <laughs> It's the, it's the fact that they just offer Pike to other women and they have this weird rivalry, which makes Vina so annoying. She becomes like a petulant. I, I hate the way she reacts. She's like, yes, I, I still oh, had a yeah. chance. She comes like, a, Ugh, it's creepy. Yeah, she's just insistent. so insistent. Like, I was making the work, okay? Like, give Ugh. me five more minutes. So, like, while well, everyone else is all like, what the hell is going on here, Chris? And Pike just gets <laughs> furious that they're down here. And then like Colts is like Colts like what's going on? the fuck is going on and Vita's like she doesn't need you and Colts is immediately like Jesus <laughs> poor Colts she doesn't the shittest day <laughs> like everyone's shitting on Colt for no reason wait what's the ginger one's name is that Yuman uh, J- Colt Yuman Colt Jamia Colt that is okay, her name that's her okay yeah. so I stand her and we'll get to why at the end so okay. Then, like, she calls, basically, she, she calls Cult a child and number one a robot. And then yeah, Cloak then... is like, Cloak's like, it's okay. You see, um, you see, number one is potentially emotionless. She actually really wants him. And you and Cult is young, horny, and strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's my favorite part because the Telosians just like beam these women down. And then they're all like, well, sir, seeing how you don't want to bang our captive, what about this smart woman who is desperate for you, or this young one who thinks nothing, thinks of nothing but sex with you? And like, they're both just like, really? Did we have, have to, to do this? Like, oh, they're both just like, what the fuck? I'm like, I love the fight that seems uniquely like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, but like, so he genuinely doesn't care. He is like, a chaste man. He is in control at all times. It's um, great. <laughs> so then Spock is in charge. He's like, right, and we've lost we've lost three people. Let's just get the fuck out of it. And that's where you get Jose Tyler just being all like, what? No. Okay. And when they try, it's so all like, oh, sorry, shit's not working. <laughs> I do like it because we get really bit. There's like spikes, spokes like ready the hyperdrive, like it's fucking Star Wars. <laughs> and then, okay. and then when it doesn't work, he, he tells engineering to switch to rockets. I love that. He is desperate to get away. Like I do not want to be here anymore. I love him. No spot. one is worth this much energy. Yeah, he wants results. He's getting tired of this shit. So yeah, then they're all asleep down on the cage thing. And a Tolosan tries to sneak in and steal their weapons. And Pike, Pike grabs him. And I have written here, you wouldn't steal a Tolosan. <laughs> yeah, it's such an awkward fight. It also makes it seem like it was kind of easy to maybe pick him up at any point. Favorite part is the sheer commitment Pike has to choking this person out yeah. after the day he's had. Just all like, no, I'm going to choke you to death or you're going to let me leave. Like the Tolosan tries to change into that weird pig ape thing i don't know <laughs> yeah meanwhile everyone's just standing there watching like should we and then when he you? tries to escape number one grabs him and pike pike's like oh you, you you're telling me this isn't working why don't we find out on your head which like jesus He's a badass. <laughs> i mean to be fair 
everyone's been really into killing like going back to the Rigel 7 thing Vina's whole thing was all like nope nope you gotta commit murder sorry pal and so like what the fuck well I guess it's also the violent primitive urges mean they can't control and read his mind <laughs> so then you know we find out that there, there is a hole in the fe- in the glass and so they all go through and that they had blasted the shit out of the lift and then the shows is like, ah, this was my plan all along. You see, you will now live on the surface of cattle and artisans and technicians. And Pike's like, fine, let these two go. I'll stay. And at that point, number one is immediately like, if, if you're staying, nobody's, nobody's staying. I do love that. Like, Pike is so willing to be like, you know what? Fine. I will sacrifice myself. And then Una's just all like, or I can blow us all up. And he's all like, that's the plan. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> And then they now the Sojans on their moral high horse that they're suddenly too violent. Yeah, because they they steal or they you wouldn't steal an enterprise computer record. The desire to live is too violent, or to live freely is too violent. Yeah, they they are uniquely hate. They have a unique hatred of captivity. Yeah, which is like a constant theme throughout all of Star Trek. But human beings cannot be held in captivity. My thing is like you had the ship held outside your planet for how long and you just decided to look in the information like you could have did this when they first beamed out <laughs> once again like all smart people the Salosians are actually very stupid oh it is the greatest dumb moment because it's all like yeah no we, we could have skipped this we could have just listened to Pike but it's all like no looking at your history it's not just this one he's not faulty you're all like this except Vina weird well she, well, she probably was like this, but we just, but we just destroyed her mentally. Oh yeah. yeah, it's so much sadder than I remembered. Actually, the ending. I was yeah, the ending is sad. So we have like Pike, um, Colton number one beam up, and then he's like, "Are you coming, Vina?" And Vina's like, I, "I can't." And then they reveal that they could put her together. They could put Humpty Dumpty back together. And yeah. we don't have the medical knowledge to put her back together on the ship, no? And we apparently... Her. We have the, the technology. <laughs> the greatest part is, like, they can build cages to survive underground. They have telepathy. They don't have plastic surgery, though. So once they did what they did, it was kind of set. Yeah, well, I think that the sort of foreshadowing of that in when Vina points out they don't know how to work any of their machines anymore. That might be why, actually, that would might explain why they did such a bad job as well. They don't actually know how to do that. You know, they haven't had to perform medical operations or reconstructive service. They don't know how. Star Trek consistently teaches us that powerful people are stupid. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, that's the most important lesson in life. Most evil people aren't actually evil. They just have no fucking clue what they're doing. Yeah. But enough about the American government. I was going to, I was just about to be like, look at January 6th. But. <laughs> so Pike beams up and the number one's like, so. So is Vita coming? He's like, no, and um, I agreed with why. And then we, hopefully he gets to a therapist soon. You know what? The greatest scene of all time. Well, first off, before you do that, I do want to applaud Pike for for, like understanding consent because I recently listened to your Menagerie episode. And you know what? Consent is important. Yeah. Press one Uh, beat. Make one beat means he wants the tea. Two beats mean he doesn't want any tea. That's a joke from British people. <laughs> I mean, 
I have to praise my queen. What's her name? Colt? You and Mia Colt. You and Mia Colt does what all you bitches could never do. She asked Pike, who would have been Eve? And that is the greatest confidence, the lie. I mean, I'm taking it as just, she wants to know. She wants to know the answer. I think it's admirable. I love that she asked that and then Bubbles like, get off the bridge. Yeah, it's like, here's my thing. Like, the truly greatest part about that is not just her confidence. It's the fact that Tyler comes around. He's all like, wait, Eve, what happened? Did did I miss something? Something happened. The voice (laughs) just knows because he's a puppet. No, I love the way the voice is like Adam and Eve and this. It's like, oh, you wouldn't know anything about that. What do you know, Pike? That all ship's doctors are dirty old men. Which is valid. Seems legit. I mean, at least I saw Dr. Bashir, who was a dirty young man, regrettably. (laughs) And, you know, Dr. Crusher, who, um, for plot reasons, will have no personality. I mean, all this tells me is that, uh, yo, what are we doing with Colbert? When is he going to be a dirty old man? Like, Never. Yeah, he's got to build up to that. But we do get Pike. We do get sort of the sort of prototype of that sort of end of episode humor that we get in all of TOS, where Pike is like, uh, "What is this? Like a debt ship? Let's get going." Um, <laughs> you know. And then we end with you know another musical cue you will never hear again because Gene Roddenberry screwed Alexander Courage over, and that's the cave. Sixty-three minutes of cerebral horniness. <laughs> It is great. <laughs> I I enjoyed that. That's the most enjoyment I've got out of Star Trek on this podcast in a while. <sighs> now, are we ready for the trivia? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, most a great deal of the plot of this was stolen from the iconic nineteen fifty six film, The Forbidden Planet. So this is all. Elements this include is copyright infringement. the visual design setting the action of the 23rd century, the visual design of the starship, in the sense of the flying saucer that becomes the saucer section of the Enterprise, the military organization of the crew, their Navy style uniforms, setting the action on an alien planet, the planet's name Alta IV, which became Talos IV, the mental powers of the Krell, which became only slightly altered, the mental powers of the Keeper and the Talosians, the energy weapons of the cruiser's crew which became the Star Trek hand phases. The 1956 crew film also uses as its main cast the ship's captain, first officer, and medical officer. I wonder where we'll see that formula again. I don't know. Never happened again. Never happened this, again. Obviously, this seems no. like it was a substantial enough to be a, case, a court case. What, what's going on here? I, it <laughs> they, was, they it wasn't, apparently. They didn't dispute it. They just didn't have the money no. at the time. Um, but yeah, NBC were happy with it. It was the one they chose based on the plot description. The desperation of our series lead, caged in an exhibition like an animal, then offered a mate. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, can't argue with that. That is exactly what happens, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, the first draft, which still had Captain April, who at this stage was older than Captain Pike was is suspecting new crew members. He remarks this approvingly to the Doctor at one point about the young age of some of the officers. Something Roddenberry later wrote in a memo that Jim Kirk, the boy wonder of the Academy, would never have done. In this same scene, April sees a number of badly wounded crewmen off the ship onto a space shuttle or taxi from the human colony of Antares. Among his departing officers is an uninjured former navigator named Crowley, 
who April is sending back in disgrace because he fired on friendly aliens. The officer argues that they were monstrous in appearance and asks how he could have known that they were intelligent enough to have weapons. These protests are met by a stern but subdued dismissal from the captain, who quietly orders, get off my ship, mister. Which, I wish, I wish we got that from Pike. To be like, fuck you. <laughs> See, only thing I, I wish we had gotten from the episode, because that, that, jeez. I, I mean, Pike was already a grumpy old man enough. I don't want to make it worse. <laughs> but I mean, like, that's just sort of turning him more into just Captain Hornblower in space. Yeah. You're trying to offset but, his handsomeness with grumpiness. That could have been a, it's a classic form. Gotta balance it. But no, I will say, because uh Gene, I guess, or whoever wrote the episode, put so much thought into these characters we'll never see again. Like, because I keep mentioning him. Jose Tyler, like his entire thing was all like. Boston astronomer father, Brazilian mother, boyishly handsome, is still very much in the process of maturing, an unusual combination. He has inherited his father's mathematical abilities and his mother's temperament. Because, you know, spicy Latina. (laughs) (laughs) But I do love that, you know, even from the beginning, Jane knew, like, I want half of my minorities to be played by random white people. Hell yeah! <laughs> you can't even see her. Oh, oh the rat! Yeah, I've got. I've read that. Yes, one. I love it. It's got Scotty in it, like all good things. This is who I am now. But, Another um, thing, Strange New Worlds needs Scotty. Scotty. But yeah, so the first script draft references Talos Four as being at the edge of the universe, and the Earth is at the other end of the galaxy, and the um, the science advisor Harvey Pillin. Basically spent the entire writing process going, you can't put Talos Four on the other side of the universe. Well, no one will ever get that. You know how big a galaxy is. <laughs> Literally having time with Gene, like, you can't just say, you want his show to be like grounded in science. You can't just say something's the other side of the fucking galaxy. <laughs> so I don't know reason- why not. You you can make up like how far, how fast you're traveling through space. But I'm like, yeah, it's the other side yeah, of the galaxy. I don't fucking care. Press Gene. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, it basically ends up being there's only one reference to Earth and Talos Four being how far away they are, which I, I don't remember it. Um, so on the cast, um, so Jay Roddenberry said in 1986 on the cast that the crew who refused to cast his crew what the network dubbed sensibly, which he assumed meant all white. This was contested by Herb Solo in the book Inside Star Trek, The Real Story, in which he states that Mort Werner deliberately encouraged NBC to show racial diversity and integration in its programs. Sorry, can you repeat the beginning? What was supposed to mean all white? Um, the net sensibly, casting sensibly. Right, okay, of course, mm-hmm. that's the same now. Yeah. Which is like, I mean... My question is, who wasn't? aside from Yamada like we got we got the one Asian guy was that was that too much yeah yeah it was very noticeable when they first went down on the planet it was like it was very noticeable it's actually very noticeable compared to TOS even like 
crew we see in corridors are a lot whiter in this than they are even they aren't just white they are damn near aryan because almost everyone except spock has blue eyes and it's all like where did you find these people oh yeah like you ever work somewhere where there's more people named like david than like black people yeah that's just called going to university of edinburgh (laughs) (laughs) anyway so the cast apparently thought this was going to go really well so laurel goodwin who played colt said the whole gang of us knew this show was going to go along wonderfully well we were also involved with our characters there was no doubt in my mind that this would be a successful show if they could just get good stories (sighs) she wasn't wrong (laughs) wasn't wrong you see i feel like if they'd been writing with a character like if they kept cult for the original series and not rewritten janice rand they might have been able to not god janice rand just gets treated like shit i mean yeah no if like cult she gets yelled at but like how many times does Rand get sexually assaulted by random guys? Ew. Four. God. Like, the way you actually had to like had a tally up. <laughs> it's horrible. And then knowing like the weird background of her and Jean is even more or potentially someone else. But probably yeah. it makes it much more horrifying. Anyway. So in the pre-production phase, um, they had to test the green makeup for the Orion girl, which so they tested it on Majel Barrett, who was happy to do it because they pay her to do it and it was cheap. Um, but every time they did the screen tests, it would come back and um, she would appear with um, like a uh, pig skin, with, with as if they hadn't applied the green paint. So they kept adding more and more and more and other different shades until somebody found out that in the um, the po- the film post production color correction stage. They kept thinking the green was a mistake and fixing it. I was going to say, how bad were these cameras? It couldn't have been that. No, it wasn't the camera. It was the it people was just yeah, like, the manual color correction. No, no, no. It was reason. a human error. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Thought they were helping. Really? Um, so the completed pilot was shown at a special screening for cast and crew. And according to Laura Goodwin, everyone applauded when they saw the transporter effect for the first time, which... Uh, that's great. That was mm-hmm. really cute. It seems I mean, that, ev- like, the, the general j- um, statement that everyone was really pleased with this when it was done. I mean, I, I can understand that. I mean, having recently, well, last month-ish, seen Spider-Man, I cheered when a dude walked into the room. It's, it is what it is. <laughs> I can be proud of them. I can overlook, as we do when we watch TOS, the faults and just that was... <laughs> Well, so here's the interesting NBC essentially went, we're not going to pile, we're not going to run, we're not going to approve this because they went, nothing, basically, this is too cerebral, nothing happens. Everything happens. I think we blew up a mountain. It was enough for you. But there is a lot of this episode where nothing happens. I mean, it's happening. It's just, you know, NBC wasn't interested in watching a guy turn down a woman who was like really aggressive about coming on to him. Yeah, and there were other really interesting, there's some interesting stuff about it, which is that um, there's this long-standing idea that they didn't like having a female first officer, which isn't true. NBC just thought that Majel Barrett wasn't talented enough for it. 
They really, they apparently actually I, really liked the idea of having a I bet female first officer. She wasn't just like, she's a classic looking, they wanted something else. I can, I already know what they mean. What do you think? Like, like you know, when, um, what are the, what, uh, you know how Berman was with Janeway saying she wasn't sexy enough? It's that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, if they you had like put her in, year old. <laughs> like, in the skirts that we see that don't cover anything, I'm sure they would have been like, oh, yeah, no, she's perfect now. I also wonder the if pink. it's that um, Madja Barrett's deliberate, like, number one is deliberately played as being very stoic and, you know, non, non-emotional. And, like, uh, most people who aren't thinking very hard, they interpret that as being bad acting. Well, they, they did set up the sort of funny pretty woman versus the cold smart woman thing so in the episode yeah. so that was essentially that being but they also said we think you could do better with the ship's doctor human and other members of the crew they basically were like we don't like any of these actors except for Leonard Nimoy and Jeffrey Hunt can you imagine if Nimoy was missing the lock well we can't imagine but oh. no we can't I don't think yeah, yeah. and another aspect one. yeah, yeah. Another aspect NBC didn't like was the overall eroticism, most notably with scantily clad green dancing girls with the humps and grinds. I, I mean, NBC longer. said no to that. NBC asked for this episode. That's the thing. Well, they think if they asked when they asked this episode, they didn't see they didn't see a full script. They were told they had four options. Um, Two focus on events on the Enterprise, a third on a planet very much like humanity of either the past or future, and a fourth planet that was highly different from Earth and was inhabited by people who were very different from humans. They didn't know what the script was going to be till they saw it. They didn't know it was going to be this nonsense. I mean, I feel like all the Orion scenes when they're dancing are always so prolonged in the episode. Maybe it's just my internal awkwardness as the men gawk at these women, but they seem excessive it's i they seem very much like scenes that weren't meant to last that long when they were written <laughs> or perhaps were which is worse yeah i think I, it's the latter I, I don't know like i i still cannot give them a pass because they're like yeah we don't like the sexy things happening but then like the second episode of star trek is charlie x so like Stand you know, it's, it's two years later, so it might have been a different set of executives. <laughs> or, you know, they'd already greenlit the show, so they, they had no power <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so, oh, interestingly, DeForest Kelly watched this around the same time it was shown to the executives, and he told Roddenberry, I'm not going to do a DeForest Kelly impression. I thought about it for a second, but I'm not. He said, well, I don't know what the hell it's all about, but it's either going to be the biggest hit or the biggest miss God ever made. Sorry, why was he watching it? I don't know. He just came oh. to it. He just, he just, he just, just it to came him. to the theater that day and was like, oh, hey, something's playing. Yeah. So, despite all the nitpicks, NBC went, NBC said, make us a second one, which was had never been done before with NBC program. They just didn't do it. So, basically, they did a lot. They touched up a lot of stuff with like painting stuff red and removing certain things and different things. But the only actor who was reused was Spock, as we know. And Gene said of this that he kept the alien actor character and married the woman, noting he couldn't have legally done it the other way around. 
Okay. Okay, Jean. Let's just relax. Okay. Anyone else? I mean, we, you, but you're on thin ice. Yeah, like we all like Spunk, but it's gross coming from you. <laughs> we can say you can't. In the games, you. not you. So as we said, Jeffrey Hunter's wife convinced him that science fiction was beneath him. So Gene um, wanted to cast Shatner. So he arranged for Shatner to watch the episode. And Shatner said of it, when I walked out of the viewing, I remember thinking it was a very imaginative and vital idea. I thought everybody took themselves a little too seriously. Yeah. Shatner not only thought the episode lacked humour, but was also of the opinion that the cast had overacted their part to the point of being unrealistic. That was my impression, and we spoke about that. I can't believe Shatner is calling people out for being humorless. I mean, I'm sorry, overacting is where he lost me. Well, I mean, did you <laughs> see the thread that somebody put out about the time he went to a... Um, Half Burner and Robert Meyer talk where they were talking about directing Shatner and that the only way to get live that good good performance out of Shatner was to essentially exhaust him he just did take after take after take after take which is why there's so much like campy acting on the original series where you couldn't do that and why like Raph of Khan there's such a much, much more subtle performances like Apparently, you know the bit in Raffle Calm where they're doing the codes and, Car- and Kurt goes, here it comes when they bring down the Reliance Shields? Mm, sure. Anyway, in all the original performances, apparently Shatner was going like, here it comes! So they had to keep doing it. Until it's insane. Went, here it comes. They just have exhausted. I mean, it fits Wait, with my general... No, that's- that's terrifying because now I'm thinking of that con moment and it's all like, is that him exhausted? I want a Star Trek. <laughs> I want a Star Trek edit where it's all the first scenes. That first take only. That's what I want to see. I mean, that's the start, that's the Star Trek 5 the Final Frontier. How dare. It no, but is. it is how dare. <laughs> the thing about Final Frontier is Shatner says he's never watched his own work, but he also directed that film. So Anyway, I, yeah. And of course, that means that the fact that Shatner was playing Kirk with a lot more sort of great um, energy and animation meant that Nimoy's sort of happy go, happy Spock wasn't necessary because Nimoy basically says, I only did that because I had two, you know, I had the, the like Captain Pike, the sort of hard figure. And number one is the sort of cold figure, so he needed to bring some energy. And he could be a bit more reserved and internalised as Kirk Spock. Again, I I need to see this on Strange New Worlds. Like, Ethan, just, like, bring it. Be, be like, your absolute most Californian self. That's it. As Spock. Spock the Californian. What's, what's, What's up, Olivia? Why is my family group chat muting? <laughs> Why are they I don't know. There's a fight happening on the family group chat. What's the vibe? Who's fighting? Um, but uh, yeah, that was the trivia. Um, the cage. I mean, NBC quit the cage. Should we? <sighs> no, no. It's, it's... We should never listen to NBC. Yeah, yeah that's NBC right. Actually, yeah, fuck you, NBC. <laughs> <laughs> But no, the cage is 
everything that would be TOS, but like maybe tone toned down a little bit. It's like it's like TOS, but in grayscale. Yeah. Like this is the rough draft. You always need your rough draft. And then you edit from there. We just happen to, you know, edit out everything except Spock. And the sexism. And the, and the orientalism. Oh, we kept the sets. The sets were good. Yeah, and the sets. We the kept music. all the best worst parts. We, we kept the best part. We kept all the really good parts and like the things that the basically the viruses. <sighs> I enjoyed. You know, see see why I stuck with TOS. That was a good beginning. It was it was fine. I mean, this, my general hot take of TOS that the first episode of TOS is not this or where no man has gone before or even charlie x it's the corbomite maneuver oh yeah no sorry just reminding me that charlie x was the next one i don't understand how yeah. I or even the mad tra- no the first episode of tos is the corbomite maneuver because it introduces mccoy and kurt and spark in different ways it's where we get the and it has the, demon baby. the demon baby alien balog he's not a demon baby okay, he's i remember being scared of that guy they look for king. The, the, the puppet, that's different. That was <laughs> but yeah, I think Call My Maneuver is the real first episode style of the original series. It's the one I tell people to start with. See, I, I don't tell people to start with um, TOS, mostly because I, I like having friends and I try to maintain that. <laughs> so. <You see? laughs> It's been a long time since I've had any friends. I mean, Olivia's only here because <laughs> I'm contractually obliged to be here with her once a week. <laughs> uh, but no, if I, if I had, you know, if I had to tell a friend, oh yeah, watch Star Trek TOS, I, I maybe I don't like having friends because I would probably tell them, uh, no, yeah, yeah, I mud. Like, Makes I no must. sense, but I, I must. Makes... <laughs> yes, look, it makes I no want a sense. Robot body. <laughs> it makes no sense, but if you get through it, it's all like it's only up from here. <laughs> yeah, that's like telling someone to start with like fucking the apple or the Amiga Glory. Like I would tell someone to start with set your standards so low. If they can't understand and see the value in those difficult times, then they don't deserve <laughs> Star Trek. And I will gatekeep. I will. <laughs> mm. um, the group chat are fighting over who to attribute my genius to. And that's not a joke. That's not a joke. <laughs> it's supportive and unhinged. Your parents can argue about which one of Not the my parents. No, this is like the wider one. The one where it's like 30 aunties. This is why I'm glad that my dad is an only child and my mother only has one sibling. <laughs> I'm just uh, safe. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, okay. So, yeah, we can't quit. But um, there is the other scale, Olivia. The triplet scale. I am so enamored of this episode like I understand there was issues but I no it's actually very triplicable I can't I can't deny it um okay I'm going to give it a six because it was slightly cursed but it was camp and I forgive them I'm gonna get I think it gets a six too 
Yeah. And the weird sort of misogyny was, I mean, I guess it's not really a trip in it, but it, it gets docked. Yeah. Do you have yeah, that a... seems like no. That seems fair. Yeah, that's I mean, fair. I mean, what is the scale at this point? We really need to get some defined. Oh, there is no scale. I think the moment we give it a scale, it no longer is real. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm just like I'm always eternally biased about the cage. Like it's it is by far my favorite episode. So you can have a favorite episode and it's still like anytime anything cursed. anyone doesn't have like absolute praise. Like, hey, listen, oh, I like encounter at far point. I like a private little war. You're allowed to <laughs> like an episode and be it to be complete fucking nonsense. Oh, I know it is sexist garbage, but it's my sexist garbage. <laughs> This is my pile of shit. And it's got that of Nimoy in it. Yes. <laughs> Same grace in all situations. So what'll it be? One to ten. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the crowd. Six. Six seems reasonable. It well, wasn't like amazing, but wasn't somehow that bad. it's got a higher trip lip score than the Savage Curtain. Oh no, that's because the Savage Curtain broke my soul and my heart <laughs> and everything that was good in me. So, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, that was the cage. We've done the first episode of Star Trek. Yeah. It's only up from here. So, sure. while um, <laughs> Olivia <laughs> contemplates Mia Colt, who is now apparently her hero, do you have anything to plug to our listeners? I. Do not. I am actually between things. So it's all like, yeah, no, I actually have nothing for once. Plug your incredible Twitter, the Star Trek Infused Cooking. Star Trek Cooking. Oh, no, no, okay. Hold up, hold up, hold up, because I have to. I'm, I'm, I was actively changing that. That's what I forgot to do this morning. Okay, so yeah, no, you can find me at Sci Foodies. That's S C I F O O D I E S. I'm, I'm not good at things more than five letters at this point, thanks to Wordle, so. Mm. And yeah, that's where you can find me. I would suggest following my actual account, but dear God, don't. Why Please. not? It's a gift. <laughs> There's too much. It's too much. I have to like have lists to like keep track of who my friends are and oh, like, you're getting what's to actually happening. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna you're gonna nuke your account one day. <laughs> I probably will <laughs> and start over. Um, so no, but but yeah, you have a great Twitter. I love to see it. So um, you know, maybe if the universe aligns, you will be awarded that gift, listeners. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've probably found me. You just don't know it. Um, and if you let us know which one you want to tag when we post it. Oh, sorry, food, you want foodies, which I have just changed. So it is official. Okay. Wow. We'll, we'll tag that one, I guess, when you when we post it. Let me find it. Is, it, is that the app? Uh, yeah, that's on Twitter. The Twitter. Oh, the cap. Yeah, I'll tag you on that account, which I follow you on. Got it. Excellent. Uh, okay, anyway. And if you would like to find us, you can find us at Quit Star Trek Pod on Twitter. 
or email us at iquitstartrek.gmail.com. We do read those emails, I promise. I know this is a running gag, but I do actually look at it sometimes. Maybe. We have emails we need to reply to right now. I just remembered. (laughs) (laughs) By the time this is out, we will have replied. Um, you can also find you also get some merch at our T Public store. Get yourself a Jeans Vision shirt. Let people know that you are Jeans Vision, which is apparently Orientalist Green Aliens. Um, trying to think about that too hard. But yeah, until next time, thank you so much, JD. This has been really fun. I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah. yeah, I hope to one day be back and complain about strange new worlds. Wow. Hopefully I'm we won't sorry. need to complain. I will um, always find something to complain about. I mean, we're tracking. You can always find something to complain about. But um, <laughs> and until next time, don't have fantasies about being a slave trader. It's for the best. It's for the best, yeah. Don't have fantasies about being a slave trader, everyone. Bye. <laughs>